this morning I'd like to share with you one other section of scripture text from Psalm 80. Did you hear the word of the Lord? Hear us, shepherd Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors and our enemies. They mock us. Restore us. God Almighty, make your face shine on us that we may be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's that time of year, isn't it? It's getting beginning to look a lot like Christmas, to, to quote a song, isn't it? All around you, you see signs that Christmas is near. Um, the first signs I got were back in July when Hobby Lobby started putting Christmas trees on sale. You saw it. You were there. Yeah, I, I got an amen over there. That's awesome. You were there. You saw. Back in July, Christmas trees on sale. And in my house, Christmas is a really, really big deal. Um, not only because it is a big deal in the life of the Christian church, but because I have a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Which means Christmas is a huge, huge deal in the house. So just Friday, we woke up, we watched a little football, and we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to decorate our house for Christmas. And my oldest daughter, Addie, went crazy. There must have been 30 minutes of her running up and down the halls, excited, fired up that Christmas was coming. So we took down all of the turkeys that were in our house. And if you know how elementary school goes, you make lots of turkeys in elementary. We had turkey pine cones, and we had turkeys made out of hands, and we had turkey feathers. There were turkeys everywhere, and there were leaves, because you make leaves when you're in elementary school. So we took all of the fall stuff down, we took all of the Thanksgiving stuff down, and we brought out the Christmas tree. And we put ornaments on it. And we plugged it in and it lit up. Because we have a fake tree. We plugged it in and we lit it up. Our stockings were hung from our kitchen counter with care. And just yesterday morning, we welcomed our two Christmas elves on the shelf, Jingle and Jangle Bell, to our house. Our house is officially ready for Christmas. Our house is ready for Christmas. You, it could be Christmas morning if you walked in there right now. Our culture is ready for Christmas. At least they seem to be on the outside. If you went Black Friday shopping, you know what I'm talking about. The lines at the mall, the lines at Walmart and Kmart give away just how desperately we want Christmas to come. But sometimes I think we put up the Christmas decorations and we do the Christmas shopping and we sing the Christmas songs and we're not really ready. On the outside, everyone is happy. Everything is bright. Everything is shining. Everything seems 
okay, maybe even joyful. But if you look a little bit closer, if you peel back the wrapping paper just a little bit, You see that we all live, even in this season of happiness and joy, we all live with a great deal of pain. We are all living with a great deal of pain. Pain that can't be masked by plastic ornaments. Pain that can't be masked by excessive spending. Pain that can't be covered over by cheery music on the radio. Pain that, if we're really honest with ourselves, cuts us to the very core of who we are, separating bone from flesh. Pain that feels too great to bear. Pain that must be dealt with in one way or another. So fire up the Christmas tunes because I need something. Do you know the pain that I'm talking about? It's not just personal pain, is it? Is it? But you know personal pain. You know the pain of losing a loved one too soon, and it's always too soon. You know the pain of getting a diagnosis, or maybe not getting a diagnosis. You know the pain of abuse, whether in your past or in the present. You know the pain of addiction. You know the pain of denial. You know the pain of loneliness and affliction. You don't have to look past the cheesy Christmas sweaters to see that we all hurt that even in this season we suffer but it's not only these internal struggles that are all too real this time of year you can't turn on the news without seeing that our nation is in pain our nation is in pain living in pain and living in brokenness It's the pain of two-year-olds being caught in the paths of stray bullets just down the road in Savannah. That's pain. It's the pain of riots happening in places like Ferguson. It's the pain of broken systems that inflict violence on the poor and the weak and consolidate power among the wealthy and among the few. You don't have to look far behind the sale ads, even in this Sunday's paper, to notice that our world is pained, that we are all living with a deep sense of brokenness in our world and in our own lives. The psalm that you heard me read this morning, Psalm 80, is the lament of a nation. It's, it's not a cry from one or two or ten, but it's the cry of an entire nation for God and to God, for God to intervene, to do something, anything, anything to change the current situation to change the current reality. And the reality that was facing the Israelites was very clear. The Assyrian army was on their way. Death and destruction from one of the ancient world's most fearsome foes was on its way. These people are living in pain and in brokenness and they feel abandoned by God because they've turned their back on Him. 
So the people of Israel cry out, Restore us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine on us that we might be saved. We've been fed the bread of tears. We've had tears by the bowlful. Restore us. Restore us, O God. Now I find it interesting that a people who are facing certain annihilation from the Assyrian army would take time to write down a poem like this. Do you find that strange? That's not the first thought that comes to my mind when facing danger. I think I'll write a poem. And yet it happens here in this text. Why would you choose to write down a psalm to document your grief and pain? I think it has something to do with who the Israelites know God to be. They know something about God that perhaps we have forgotten. They know something from their past history that can affect their present and their future. They know, and what they know, is that God hears them when they cry out. God hears them when they cry out in their desperation, in their pain, in their brokenness, in their suffering. They know that God hears them and hears their cries. All you have to do is take a look back in the Old Testament, and this becomes very Very clear, God hears the cries of His people because of their grief, because of their brokenness. We see it in Genesis 16 in the story of Hagar, who is cast out after she conceives a child by Abram. And as she is thrown out into the desert, weeping and broken, God hears her cries and sends an angel to bring comfort to give her peace. We see it again in Exodus 3 when God declares to Moses that God has observed the misery of His people in Egypt. Indeed, I know their sufferings. Those are the words of God. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And God sends Moses to lead His people out of bondage and into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Over and over again, we see it in Judges that God hears the cry of God's people. It's the theme throughout the Psalms, and it's the cry of the prophets that God sees our misery and our brokenness and our pain and hears our cries in a very real way. I can remember about this time last year when Lily Grace was just about nine months old. Now, at nine months, she didn't have many words. Nine-month-olds nine, nine month just don't have many words. But they have noises. If you have children, you know this. Nine-month-olds, they make noises. And so Lily Grace, she had these, she had these soft coos when she was content and happy. And she would giggle occasionally. And, and she had a full, at nine months, she had a full belly laugh. And you could, you could just tell that she was excited and happy. Just from the, the noises and the groans that she would make. But you also knew when things weren't quite right with her. If, if you're the parent of a child, you, you know this, or if you've been around children, it doesn't take very long to understand what the I'm hungry cry sounds like. Or the I'm thirsty cry. It, it doesn't take long to discern the difference between those two cries. It doesn't take long to, to, to know which cry is the I got a dirty diaper, get me out of here. That's a different cry. You know this, don't you, parents? 
But Lily Grace and, and Addie too, they both had this one cry that was totally different from any of the other sounds they made. It was this cry that if I were standing outside, I could hear. Do you know this cry, parents? This cry that isn't just a sound, but it's so, such a piercing and powerful sound that it hurts your ears to hear. It's a cry of distress. It's unlike any other sound. It's the cry that I imagine a baby alligator makes that brings his mama from miles and miles away to come and rescue him. Our children make these cries, these cries deep from their core that says things aren't right. Save me. Psalm 80 is that cry. Somebody, God, do something. Save us. Save us. Restore us, O God. For we have eaten the bread of tears and we have drank tears by the bowlful. The promise we have from Scripture is that when we cry out to God like the people of Israel, not only does God hear our cries, but God responds. God responded to Hagar and sent her an angel to comfort her and to bring her peace. God hears the cries of the Hebrews in the land of Goshen in their slavery for the Egyptians and sends Moses to be a liberator. God sends judges when the people of Israel cry out. God sends prophets to call His people back. When God hears our cries, God acts to bring us out of our suffering, out of our misery, out of our pain. God works to restore us and to redeem us and to recreate us that we might experience God's healing and God's wholeness. Advent, this season that leads us to Christmas, is a reminder that God hears our pain, that God sees our current situation. He sees our brokenness and has responded by sending His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin, by sending His Son as a promise that God will indeed change the reality of our situation, that God will bring healing and wholeness where there was once brokenness and pain. This is what Advent is about, anticipating not only what God is doing, but what God will do in the future. Because God continues to hear our cries. Our personal cries of sorrow and pain. The cries of our nation, broken and torn. And God continues to work to make all things new. So I ask you this Advent to listen again to the words of Christ from Mark 13. To keep awake and to be ready for the God who has heard your voice of longing is coming and He will gather us up from the ends of the earth and will redeem and restore all things. If you read the end of the story in Revelation, you get a picture of what God is up to, working so that there will come a day when there will be no more tears, when there will be no more pain, 
where there be no more darkness. For God's presence will be with us for all eternity. This is what we are waiting for. This is what we long for. Let us pray. Oh God, you have heard our cries of affliction, our cries to be redeemed and restored. Oh God, be near to us during this season that we might be strengthened for the days ahead, that we might find hope in the promise of your coming on the clouds and in a manger. Amen. This morning I ask that you open your hymnals to page 12 at the the invitation. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done Your will. We have broken Your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God has heard your cries of affliction and pain. And God is working to make all things new. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift up the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. 
gave thanks to you, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you, for this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ, offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, I invite you to take the hand of those uh, seated near you as we pray the prayer that Christ taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.